Hey friends, Colin here. I just have to add one quick thing before the interview gets underway. I gotta apologize for some weird technical difficulties that I could not figure out. My audio does not sound good, but luckily my amazing guest sounds great and I think we can all still enjoy the interview. If you wanna hear the full unedited version where we talk about DM tips, all sorts of interesting stuff, playing games with kids and how important that is, head on over to patreon.com slash Report. Support us for just $10 a month and you will get the full unedited interviews of everyone who comes on Classin' Up the Joint. Enjoy the show. Hello, listeners of the future, and welcome to The Roll Report. This is our another episode of Classin' Up the Joint. This is the part of the show where we interview really amazing humans about their favorite character class and subclass. So, really amazing human, my wonderful guest. I am so excited to speak with you. Will you please introduce yourself? Hi, folks. My name is Lizzie Marsden. Um, I am a cosplayer, nerd, everything in between. Um, I've even been a, a professional Hufflepuff, all of those kinds of things. Uh, and if you want to find some of my chaotic cosplays, uh, I'm Captain Martian with an S, not a T, on Instagram. And uh, I'm mostly known as Harley Quinn, as I have over 30 Harley Quinns. I, I feel like there, I need to ask one more side question, which is how many Harleys are there canonically and how many of them have you cosplayed? Um, so I don't exclusively do, um, what is canonic. So I just got a nun costume that I'm, I'm making Harley Quinn. Um, But, uh, canonically there's like a hundred or so. Like she, uh, Harley famously says, uh, she doesn't understand Superman because the fact that he wears the same outfit every day. And uh, yep. in Batman and Harley Quinn, my favorite movie, uh, you can see her closet and her closet is all she just can go through and pick what version of Harley she does. And I'm there. Like, yes. I have if I was able to have a full closet that was exclusively my Harley gear, I could fill it out. I don't have steampunk Harley yet, though, which is the only I mean- one. That Sounds is, like there's still time. It's still, <laughs> I, I'm close. I just, I need more gears and clock parts. Yeah. So, yeah. I happen to have a, a crap ton of uh, watch parts that I am slowly disassembling many pocket watches. So they're very oh, small. Oh. I don't know if it's the right size, but like. You heard it here first. Steampunk Harley <laughs> Quinn coming in hot. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Amazing. Um Perfect. I feel like I'd also like to ask, like, for for a moment before we get into class, like, what I don't I don't want to say what is your relationship to D anD D, but like, what maybe one of what is what is the thing that you enjoy most about it, or sort of the brief uh, introduction to well, your well as a cosplayer, uh, it's mm-hmm. cosplaying is big shtick energy, and you're like running around a convention, role playing, and the nice thing about Dungeons and Dragons is everybody at the table knows what your character is and has agreed to stick back at you. Mm-hmm. So, and then I like, like, I love the added element of the dice that makes it so that it's either like, I'm the most confident person in the entire world. This is going to be great. Nat one. And you're like, well, that just smacked me upside the face. Like, or it's like, like one really big step. In the 
ah, natural 20. And it's like, God smiled down on you. And so the the element of sticking and role-playing and getting deep within a character with other people that are in that same energy Mm -hmm. uh, is is already one of my favorite things. And then to add on it, the chaotic element of dice rolls that just impacts your, like it's actually having a God at the table with you. Yeah. Like, and I, it feels like that God is doing a shtick with you. And so like, it's just, it's divine shticking. Yeah. 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 I, I, I resonate with that very much. I, I, think i say a fair number of times probably at least once a session the dice decide what story we're telling Mm -hmm. can make you can make the most amazing schemes and plots to rescue your friend or like defeat the villain and then as soon as you start rolling dice all the plans go out the window oh i've made so many backstories of of characters that were like i'm gritty and cool and stuff and the dice were like no you're not like yeah like every time I try to do something cool, I get a terrible role. Every time I, do <laughs> I don't get out, and I'm like I just want my friends to be okay. It's like natural twenty. I'm like, yeah. Well, I, it's not my job to decide which way this character goes. No, I mean the dice. The dice can do a really good job. I yeah. I and I think it's funny that they. There does seem to be a tendency towards uh, uh, leaning characters and leaning stories as larger as larger way in in different directions. Through that, the char- the character you thought was going to be the like incredibly cheerful, happy person suddenly like keeps rolling garbage and is always like angsty and depressed and fucking everything up. And like the one who's supposed to be a fuck up is always on top. Well, that's the thing is, I my first character, I was trying to be a fuck up. And then I ended up being the leader of the entire group. Yes. And I oh, was I like, that. and everyone was like, but y- this is not what you're written for. And I'm like, I didn't decide this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just followed the dice. Like character. And then you guys all roll garbage. So for some reason, I'm in charge now. I, I'm playing a campaign where I think everyone that is currently playing we've had like one player kind of in and out uh we are all zero or negative charisma modifiers and we keep having to talk to people it's bad oh, it's man. bad <laughs> um all right well to the nitty-gritty to the first question yeah. lizzie what is your favorite character class or classes um rogue and bard is probably who i love playing the most um I love a magic user and stuff. Like I think they're really fun, but there's there's just something about like okay, I'm gonna sneak up on him. <laughs> like it, it's it's it could go so badly. Yeah. I think it like sneak attack could go so badly, and it has so many times that it, like for my clown persona, it is it is either like I'm gonna like get six d6 while i like stab this guy in the back and if you're an assassin class like that's even at a 19 like or i'm gonna gonna roll real bad i'm gonna step on this rock and then my very squishy character is in a lot of danger i'm right there in the thick of things where i should not be yeah and i um he like being charis I, i made him a very charismatic rogue and stuff like that and i personally like 
making characters that are like the opposite of min-maxed. Like Mm -hmm. they're very human. And so like an extremely charismatic rogue who was trained as a fighter, who everybody thinks is a bard, like kind of thing. And so I, I build my characters to be profoundly flawed to allow them to Mm -hmm. like have room to breathe. So I like have, I like the, danger of a rogue like they ever they're like the emo kid that's like did uh-huh. and is like a black belt at like third grade or whatever and i love taking that and making them be like kind of a, a himbo like, yeah like a, that's so fun a chaotic dumb pansexual like like all the bard class things uh-huh. rogue to me is the funny thing. So like, I love a bard for the, the character idea of it. Cause I am a bard. Yeah. And then that in a rogue. And then everyone's yeah. like, why are you the face of the party? You're supposed to move in shadows. And it's like, I'm sorry, I'm very handsome. Well, and I don't, I mean, I would put it that I don't think there's a supposed, uh, one of the, one of the things we've talked about, uh, I think, I think you and I talked about this a little bit like before. And I, I talked about with my last guest is that rogue, because of the subclass and because of how you can play it lends itself to a wide variety of backgrounds. There is sort of the, I would say the stereotype, the two stereotypes I think of most are, you know, the assassin in the shadows or the thief in the shadows. You are, you are absolutely not the face of the party. You always hide in the background and hover and like do all all the skullduggery, so to speak. And there is like the charlatan, which is, you know, I would argue, like, I think there's, that's why there's a lot of crossover in, in proficiencies and skills between Bard and Rogue. But, like, the Rogue who is like, yes, I am a d- distinguished businessman, a fellow tradesperson, if you will, from far away. Don't mind this other hand that's reaching into your pocket to take all of your money. Let's talk about business. Yep. A- and, like, yeah. 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 And and I I think I was in um, Oliver the play as a kid and i think that learning to be a pickpocket there like was the start of my rogue journey and did they teach you some like pickpocketing and sleight of hand skills for this show but i was in charge of the fagin kids um and and so what once they as a reward for uh like getting their dance moves down and be being good i would let us practice pickpocketing yeah. Uh, like if they were really good, I'd try to get like a locksmith kit and see if we could learn how to pick locks. Um, and I still want I haven't learned how to pick locks yet, but I still want to. Like I I want to learn how to do everything my DD character does. Uh, like that is a I would love that. Right. That's a good goal to and have. Bro, mm-hmm. I could potentially. Like, yeah. I can't turn into a bear in real life. I mean, not yet. For yet, yeah, like, <laughs> we can hope that just happened there. I was like, Well, I we have can hope, we can hope, okay. yeah. Um, okay, so, so the super fast rundown of Rogue because we've done this one before, oh, yeah. uh, and I figured out the thing that I missed last time, which is most of the classes have five ability of score improvements, rogues get an extra one, rogues get a sixth, and it's fighters that have like have seven because. I don't know. They need them. Um, <laughs> uh, of course, our, our most amazing thing, cunning action, getting to hide 
disengage or dash as a bonus action, sneak attacks, uh, evasion, and uncanny dodge to mitigate damage. And then if you take them all the way up into the teens and 20s of your level, reliable talent, blind sense, proficiency and wisdom saves from slippery mind, elusive, stroke of luck, which I still, was it that one? Yeah, that one is like once per short or long rest, if you fail an ability check, you can just decide to roll a 20. Or if you miss a target within range, you can just decide to hit. Yeah. And steady aim gives you um, the same, right. like, gives you sneak attack as if you're hiding. So you don't have, like, like there's so many great things. And if you're, like, chaotic enough with your how you do your proficiencies, like, I had at, like, level 7 plus 9 to persuasion. Mm-hmm. I bulked out my charisma and then I made that my expertise. And so that's why I became the face of the party because anytime someone came to talk to us, I'd be like, hey, do you, let's have a chat. And it'd be like, okay, I yeah. rolled 10. So 19. Yeah. Like, yeah. That fucking. <laughs> it, it, Sorry, like rogues and. Rogues and bards. I love, I love for that, that like really early on the expertise can like get you. I would say into or out of a very sticky situation. Oh yeah. I I love these situations where you get essentially get into the fuck around and find out that like the DM has 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 either said like all right you're fucking around enough and I'm going to throw this at you or oh balls here's a dragon and you really should run away but you're not what do I do and then your players come up with something insane. And the yeah. only response is roll for it. Like that's the only thing you can really say, I think. Yeah. And and for me, that's that's why I I like no hate to min-maxers. I think sure. everyone can play the game the way that they want to play it. Um, but for my way of playing it, that's why I create these extremely flawed characters. Because if I had min-maxed Klaus to be the best rogue that moment with that dragon, we would have been TPK'd. And the, and so it, for yeah. me, the way that I play, it allows me to be, to have more creative solutions in like weird up against the wall moments for me yeah. than I think I necessarily would. Because like everybody else in my party at that moment had min-maxed for the most part. And they were trying to figure out the logical solution here. And because I was chaos, I came up with the chaos solution. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. why you do need lawful and chaotic on every party. And like the diversity of a party is also what like makes it addition like extremely. Yeah. Different. Yeah. There, and and the, the I think the diversity of both the classes and how people approach them. Because you can always you can always do the oops all whatever party at either purposely or accidentally, but as long as people play them differently, I think you still get a good spread of uh, of relationships. I guess want to say and like and and characters to engage with. I before we talk about bards, I want to ask you, I guess, uh, about your method of character creation. Then is uh, in in not min max terms, um, and I think. Oh, one thing that just occurred to me was would be like, okay, you're creating a rogue and you have you're doing standard array rather than rolled. So it's uh, what is that? Eight, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fifteen, whatever. How 
in I'm, I'm putting you on the spot, but in this moment, how might how might you approach a standard array and a rogue character rather than you know I would say the the instinct or what you know what player's handbook might recommend is like drop that 15 into your dexterity and drop the next highest into either like intelligence or wisdom and then go from there. So I don't think that hard about it. Mm. And that's uh, it's kind of where so the way that I developed Klaus was um I it, like worked so well that I kind of have stuck with it which is I kind of I go by instinct when I'm building a character. So I'm going to describe Klaus and Kopesh because these are uh, two examples. Uh, Klaus is a arcane trickster rogue with a bardic feat. Um, mm-hmm. And how it first started is I do Klaus, Klaus Hargreaves as a drag persona. And I was making a music video as Kla- Klaus Hargreaves. And I thought it'd be funny to put him in Dungeons and Dragons. So that was mm-hmm. my first thought. Was there's Here's this character that I like playing. Cosplay, cosplay, cosplay. And then I was on a date with a DM and he let me look at all the character marker guys uh, to figure out what mm-hmm. I was going to And I saw this cat prince guy who was like, ooh, I'm fancy. And I was like, okay, so he's going to be a cat. Like, and I like that. And I think that's funny. And he, like, I like that he's fancy. So I based it on that picture and that picture. Mm-hmm. And then we get into the, the building of it and I go, okay, well, based on these things that I know about this character idea well i like the idea of a rogue i didn't know much about rogues and sure. like if i or any classes and I, I was just like like having them described and i was like oh i want to stab people like i just thought that'd be funny and i figured klaus hargreaves is always um picking locks and mm-hmm. things like that so i was like oh well that works for him uh and then i did all of my stats based on his personality and mm-hmm. Didn't care at all about anything to do with how that was going to impact his ability to be played. Uh, So I was like, well, everybody loves Klaus. So high charisma. Uh, He's like weirdly like intelligent and stuff. And then when I said I wanted to do an arcane trickster, that was the only stat that I was like, right. Okay, fine. I'll give that a little bit more so that my spells will work. But beyond that, that like everything else was like, like what fits the personality of this character mm-hmm. trying to portray? Mm-hmm. And uh, how that ended up being is that Khan became my dump stat for Oh, wow. Bold move. That Klaus Hargreaves is a drug addict who's constantly like that then yeah. seemed like a big part of my character story that um, I, I later built in that Klaus Hargreaves is, is like always trying to die, basically. So I made it that I, I'm from a noble cat nation and I want to go to Cat Valhalla. So I need to die in battle in order to go to Cat Valhalla. And so like I I had iconic lines like don't heal me till I'm dead and stuff. Like it was, it was very fun. But eventually it got to the point where I was dying so frequently that that's why I picked up the bardic feet so I could cure wounds myself. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. but that added to Klaus and stuff right? yeah so like and then the fact that I had already bulked out charisma without intending to that meant that any bardic spells that I got then used right. my charisma modifier so then I actually had a really good spell like I was like like I think my spell DC was like 
12 or something on my wizard spells. But when it got to Bard, it was like 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, okay. Well, if I bulk out on the Bardic, yeah. Yeah. and that allowed it to play out. So for me, it's more about figuring out the story of the character and what mm-hmm. makes sense for the story. So Kopesh was my first real build after Klaus, and he is a cleric of the Forge Seder. Um, and the only way you can be a cleric of the Forge, like, and I'm uh, not the only way, but like one of the big ways is that you studied with dwarves and right. you were a chosen friend of the dwarves. And so it was just in D&D Beyond going through and being like, okay, what what do I want here? Like as, as I was prompted with the class feature mm-hmm. or whatever, what do I want? And I was like, oh, well, if I was like beloved of, of mountain dwarves, okay, so that means that I grew up around mountain dwarves. What what does that mean? Like da 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 all this stuff. And so I ended, and satyrs are naturally charismatic. So I didn't bother like sure. on that. I was like, okay, let's make him really wise. And as I'm going through the stats, intelligence becomes the the dump stat for Kopesh. Mm-hmm. So then I put into his story that he's so dumb, he didn't realize that he was sold to the dwarves. He's uh-huh. just so awesome uh-huh. and, and sweet. The, the tragic backstory he doesn't even know is tragic. Yeah, he doesn't realize it's tragic. So what ha- his name is Kopesh because he was sold for a Kopesh sword. Mm-hmm. And one of like 20 Seder kids because Seder's... And also then like looking up classic like information. Like I have yeah. a Furbolg Druid of the Stars who's also a pirate, but Furbolgs don't understand money. And so that was like a fun thing to add in for yeah. a pirate who doesn't understand gold or whatever. And yeah. how could I make that work? And like for the most part, as I'm building a character, I do research into things like I really wanted to be a satyr. Like I don't mm-hmm. like playing yeah. what it's become like what creature I want to play first and also what class is missing from a party. I've started reaching like I very mm-hmm. Like I'll play whatever class is missing because sure. I otherwise I just want to play a rogue who's pretending to be a bard. Like and and if if it, it sounds like if I like summarize a little bit that especially when it comes to ability scores the character comes first. Oh yeah. Who is the, who is for you? Who is this character? What are they like? How do they interact with with the world and with people that are their friends versus their enemies? And and the spread of stats and and the points go from there. Yeah. No, it is never to make me more powerful. It is always to make me more funny. Mm-hmm. I fucking <laughs> love that. I love that so much. Um, play. We're role playing. Yeah, and- it's it's play. It it is play. Hey, listeners, Colin here. Just cutting in for a quick moment to say thanks for listening. We hope you're really enjoying the show. We are having so much fun making it and getting to play together, and hopefully, you're having fun listening. We'd really love it if you would leave us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Maybe even go one more minute further and leave us a review. We love reading them. It makes us feel great, and we will give you a shout-out on the show as soon as you do that. If you really love us, and we hope you do, head on over to patreon.com slash therollreport, and maybe you can give us whatever you can spare a month for as little as $2 a month. You'll support this show and everyone involved in making it a little bit more, and you won't have to listen to me or anyone else asking you for money or telling you about our social media handles. That's right, on Instagram and TikTok at 
The Roll Report cast. You can find exclusive new art, all sorts of cool stuff, trend little edited videos of the interviews that you might not have heard even, and so much more. Thank you all so much for listening. We love doing this, and we hope you are having fun with us. Back to the show. Well, and that seems like a good segue to talk about Bard specifically for a moment. And again, the super fast thing, uh, standard five ability scores, D8s of hit dice, spell casting, charisma-based, and a really lovely spell list plus magical secrets, uh, Bardic Inspiration, and Jack of All Trades. All of these are really amazing, wonderful things. Expertise, uh, you get four bits of expertise by the end, magical secrets, and then... I'm going to complain about this again the second time I'm complaining about this. The 20th level, the capstone feature, when you roll initiative and have no uses of bardic inspiration left, you get one. I haven't actually... Well, you get what? What do you get? That You get one inspiration back. That is your 20th level feature. And I if you, you get what? And I was like, is this a quiz? Oh, <laughs> no. Sorry. <laughs> one. <laughs> My my mispronunciation. No, yeah, it's it's that is you. There's a 14th and an 18th level magical secrets. There's some other subclass uh, bard college features in there. And then at 20th level, if you if you're getting into initiative situation, either combat or otherwise, and you have no bardic inspiration left, you regain one. I think that just seems so sad compared to like the rogue's ability to like turn a miss into a hit or a failed ability check into a nat 20. And the like the 20th level, all paladin features are all fucking amazing. Anyway. Well, so this is why I there. think Bard as a front for mm-hmm. classes is my favorite thing. I love that. But, uh yeah, like I love Bard as a character front or like an element to a character. Uh, but like one Bardic class that I've really gotten into, and I'm con- I'm debating between doing an artificer or a bard for this one class, which is the the culinary class of bard. Do you have you heard of that? I no, but I love this idea. I so, feel like this there's a lot of good stuff to play with in there. It's a it's a super OP class of bard because you can do a divine inspiration meal. Mm-hmm. So it's like um the cleric chalice spell. The, the hero's feast. Time. Yeah. Uh but like that's the bar that's like what they can do at a fairly low level i forget where it's at uh-huh. um and th- the idea for this came from i wanted to make an artificer that threw exploding cupcakes i love it's a, that it's a turtle, and they've got an easy bake oven in their shell <laughs> <laughs> i'm very proud that's amazing um, and yeah. uh, a dm that i pitched this to went have you looked into the chef class of bard it's a new one and like it's got it's it feels uh it's less big and flashy but mm-hmm. it has like it's closer it's i think it's like closer to cleric in the yeah. line of things cuz it's got more healing and more power in that way but it doesn't have as many like instant things cuz you're making right. a meal right so is that uh i i'm curious to you know where that comes from that sounds uh homebrew or is it is it from a source book uh i don't know if it's from a source book okay i don't know but i love that I, people tell me when yeah. i because i mostly come up with weird ideas and then uh, someone else is like here's mechanically how like, this might work you're gonna put it and i go oh okay 
like I was trying to do Aang, The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, okay, so I need a monk of the four elements and stuff like that. And then I was like, what if I made them a bunny, actually? And then it just, that's pretty much, it starts with a character that exists and then I just ruin it. But I would love that. I, like, bards are so great as yeah. as a front because mm-hmm. they're not perceived as that threatening. When you show up to a, a like, fortress and you're covered in swords and, like, all black leather and shit, mm-hmm. like, I'm not gonna let this fighter rogue in to my fortress. But if yeah. you show up and you're like, I got a loot and, like, fancy clothes, like, I'm just gonna entertain you. They're like, seems fine. Seems okay. Like, yeah. You could take a bard and it's like, ooh, you could take me, daddy. But, like, then, <laughs> just kidding, stab! Or just kidding, explosion. Like, yeah. So, yeah. like, I haven't played a direct bard, but I, mm-hmm. I love the culture of bards. Yeah. Like, like yeah. all my characters wish they were bards, but they got busy doing other things. Do they, it, it sounded like Klaus at least like has like the, uh, uh, bard initiate feat or other thing. Did you, did you do things mechanically for characters or is it, or the flavor of them playing a liar and wanting to be a bard in a different life sort of thing? Uh, so it was both, I needed cure wounds and, yeah. uh, we had a cleric in our party and I was like, maybe I could be, uh, cause our cleric was not great at what he was doing. It, it was my fault because I got mad. My arcane trickster got magic from doing drugs right. and our cleric lost his sister and he was going through an existential crisis. So I gave him mushrooms. And then after that, he became a really bad cleric. Um, <laughs> I love everything about that story. <laughs> we went on a mushroom trip. He, he like talked to God. And then after that, he was like, I love drugs. And we were like, well, now we don't have a cleric. So we, ha- so I kept almost dying and I had reached the point where I actually, I, my plan wasn't that Klaus was going to die early. I was like actually having fun playing him. So yeah. Was, okay. So between Bard and Rogue, are they equal? Do we, can oh, we Rogue. declare one a favorite? Rogue? Rogue Arcane Trickster Maybe. is like specifically Arcane Trickster. I was, I was going to say the next thing I'm going to ask you is about subclass, but if we're, it's just like right to Arcane Trickster, that's an easy, uh, easy segue, I would say. The cleanest and neatest defense. An Arcane Trickster rogue to a person and they were like, that's an Arcane Trickster. And I was like, Mm -hmm. great. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted it before I knew what it was. So, uh, all right. So we rogue is a favorite and arcane trickster, uh, uh, wizard based spell casting starting at third level. So intelligence, um, I, I appreciate actually, I, I, the first time I played one of these, I was like kind of annoyed, annoyed about it. And then I do actually appreciate that you are mostly, if you play by raw, you are mostly restricted to enchantment and illusion spells, except for, 8th, 14th, and 20th level. Um, but it, it to me, that, like, really leans into the rogues, uh, like, the, the roguishness, if you will. Um, special Mage Hand, Magical Ambush, which I fucking love. It's so good. If you are hidden, people get, uh, creatures have disadvantage on saving throws against your spells. Uh, versatile Trickster, Distracting with your Mage Hand, and Spell Thief. Uh right. Think about spell thief, and then think about that fucking bullshit superior inspiration that bards get at seventeenth level. 
arcane tricksters can magically steal the knowledge of how to cast a spell at 20th level, a bard gets a D, a die of bardic inspiration back. Whoopee. Anyway. Well, so, and and here was uh, how I homebrewed my character with mm-hmm. my DM was I had to do drugs to swap out any spells. Like, if I wanted to swap out a spell, I had to do drugs and roll well. Mm-hmm. Like, like, there was always a chance of, like, if I really fucked up, I could lose a spell slot or something like that. Like we had, we had costs and stuff, but that meant that when um, I realized that I had a spare spell slot, like that, I was like, Oh my God, I want to learn invisibility. Like, like, I can't just give it to you. Like, and I was like, great. Like, let's figure this out. Let's figure out. I'll, when we get a second in, in all of our running around in campaign, I'm going to do drugs and so, and so it also meant that I then, like, whenever we got to a city, I was like, I need to get drugs. Yeah. So that even, like, explore my... Because Arcane Tricksters, uh, for folks that don't know, cannot swap out their spell slots. Um, they don't have a... Uh, it's wizard spells, but it is not... You don't get a you don't have You don't have a book, necessarily, in your spell. Yeah. You pick up from being a rogue that is hyper-observant, and you can never swap out cantrips. Like... Yeah. My DM allowed me to have a little bit more wiggle room, particularly because I was like, I chose certain spells when I was like first learning how to do right. the character and stuff. So the way that like, and I really appreciate a DM who's like, I'll let you do this, but there's a cost. Like, yeah, I'm not I, just going to give it to you for no good reason. If you're ever like questioning it, like, oh, should I DM? Will it be fun and stuff? DM for kids. Like they're going to, they're the yeah. best players, honestly. They don't care. They haven't read the books. They don't care about the rules. They just want to have fun. All you have to do is go, yeah, you can do that. Roll for it. And they're like, Bruh. like I've had I, dice thrown to bounce off of a table. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I will counter that slightly by saying I, I did DM a little bit for kids last year and they were or, uh, preteens, like 10 or 11 to 13, maybe. Three of them have like memorized the entire player's handbook and i'm and those kids i find it there's a fun challenge because they're going to ask you to get away with all kinds of stuff that might be explicitly against rules as written and it's still so good i want to let them do it i let them do whatever the heck they want yeah i i love it i'm obsessed with it it's because I'm having the best time ever. And mm-hmm. I and last time what I actually gave them all prizes, the like the thing that oh, they found. They, I love that. they they found a bunch of dragon eggs and then they hatched and I gave them all little fairy dragons to commemorate that is the game. Too and charming. So it was real cute. And and another really important thing that like mm. I think parents should do run D D games for their kids all the time because my nephew Alec was at the stage where he wasn't good at sharing and wasn't mm-hmm. like letting other people have input in what playtime was. So rolling initiative became this amazing like teaching tool for yeah. he's a super sweet kid. He's just very excitable. I'm the same way. And so the fact that like he had to wait his turn and roll initiative mm-hmm. uh made it that then like he he went from being like I want to go I want to go and we going it's not your turn you're, it's not your turn in the initiative to him then 
figuring out that he could still participate by cheering on his teammates. Yeah. Theirs. Yeah. And, and like the storytelling that came out of it was so fun. Like watching these kids go, okay, so Scorcher sees that uh, Joe is in trouble and I'm going to move 10 feet towards him and then cast my fireball. And like, and I was just like, yeah, it, it, I, I, I think it, it, sh- not only an in, in, in initiative is a really good way to like have the the order of it right of a kid's like or or a human is impatient and like no no here's here's the list we're going down the list then we go back to the top but the whole thing rely the whole game right D or other rpgs any sort of thing where you're collaboratively storytelling you got to play nice you have to play with people and otherwise it all falls apart really quick. If the one one character is like, I'm going that way. And you're like, well, the entire rest of the party is going here to do this other thing, not go reclaim your family's lost honor when you're level three. And that's actually what I have planned for level 12 or whatever it might be. Our druid barbarian ended up doing that so much that he just left the game. <laughs> he would be like, I'm going to go do this because I don't want to go do drugs with you in the city. And we were like, bye, we're doing drugs in the city. Like, what we yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so I I think that we have we as society have too many board games that are versus each other. Mm-hmm. A thing that all of these collaborative storytelling games are great about or games like Plague Inc are that they are about us versus the world instead yeah. of us versus each other and the act from my perspective the actually lived human experience is us versus the world, not us versus each other. Yeah. Yeah, and the I learn that young, the better. I was telling my parents a little bit about the podcast, and my mom asked me the question, "How do you win D anD D?" And I, I, I immediately was like, "Well, you don't." And then I, as I thought about it for a second, I was like, "No, you win if everyone's having a good time and telling the story together." Mm-hmm. That I think is the win condition. You know, there's. There's the the arc of the whole narrative you might be telling of of level whatever to level twenty and you know fight, breaking up bar fights in your hometown to saving the world from the existential threat of the week, but but winning is is everybody coming together to tell a story and having a good time. Yeah, and I think uh, jumping off that point, like philosophically, we we have learned so much that winning means the end of something. Mm-hmm. And like, and I think that like that can carry over into the rest of our lives. Winning is when I finally get the job that I wanted, when I finally right. get married, when I finally get this. And then that is the end of this struggle. And so many stories don't go beyond that win. Whereas yeah. D&D teaches us that every, you can be winning throughout the the campaign, throughout just one session whether that's because you won an encounter, because you guys had like a very funny thing, like because you're just like getting to know your character more. There are so many micro wins and grander wins. And that makes it so much more, it creates like a healthy balance with your perspective on life as well, that like life is also full of these micro wins and these grander wins. And just because you get the girl doesn't mean that the story's over and doesn't mean that you've Mm -hmm. won. It's just one win in the the story moving forward. Yeah. And like 
that is only enhanced by having a really dope party around you. And so like, I, I love D and D almost as like a, a philosophy on life is like, mm-hmm. like, have you heard of people using instead of uh, the spoons theory for like emotional mm-hmm. uh, capacity and yeah. Using spell slots. Oh no, but I like that. And I like that a lot because you also can level them. You're like, well, today I've got like an eighth level slot. I got a lot here. It's not like I've got a very big soup spoon. Yeah. And and also you can you can use a higher level spell slot for a lower level thing if you need to. Mm-hmm. So say, like you yeah. need to take a shower and all you have left is like a level three and that's a level two. You can sacrifice doing the dishes in order to yeah. take a shower because yeah. you need to do the level two. And so like, I I find that the more that I incorporate D&D language into my everyday life and all that stuff, the healthier of a relationship I have with the adventure mm-hmm. I'm actually living. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I personally think that D&D, if everybody played D&D, the world would be a healthier place. I, I cannot think of a better note to end on than that the world should play more dnd i love that so and and to go back we have our rogue arcane trickster as class i rogue is popping up a lot and i love that um it's so good uh lizzie thank you so much for taking the time and and joining me uh i think one more time where can people find you in the Uh world electronically Mostly on Instagram uh, at Captain Martian. That's uh, Captain spelled like Captain uh, and Martian M A R S I A N. Um, and yeah, you'll see all my cosplays yeah. and chaos and lots of weird D and D jokes and stuff like that. <laughs> so, Do you have any cool things coming up to plug to promote? Um, I don't. Uh, my okay. boy band boys to them is uh, working on a new project. Uh, right now, but cool. we don't know when we will be able to put it out. But yeah, look for boys to them stuff. Oh, and if you want to buy any weird uh, clothing, pride clothing, boys to them merch, wow. any of that, you can go to my website, marsmadeclothing.com uh, and buy year round pride gear. Amazing. So. And we'll put those links in the show notes so people will have them uh, when they listen. Uh, Thank you, listeners of the future, for joining us for another episode of Classing Up the Joint. Thank you so much, Lizzie. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop recording and uh, and move on. But thank you, listeners and stuff. I don't know. We don't really have an outro yet. But goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>